Hi everyone and welcome to the Blogcast where each week we bring you an inspirational guest or message to help you develop a holistically healthy lifestyle. Hey everyone, my name is Brendan Hardman, I'm your host and welcome to the first episode of The Blowcast. I'm extremely excited to get this podcast up and running. It's been a long time in the planning and I really cannot wait to get stuck into some content here. So without further ado, let's get stuck into our first episode and we're going to start with describing what the actual Blowcast is about. Um, so the aim of The Blowcast is to give blokes out there a holistic approach to their health. And we do this by a measure that we call holistic empowerment. And I'll explain that a little bit later. Uh, Firstly, let's talk a little bit about the podcast itself and how it will run. So it's an interview style podcast, some of them, and we'll be interviewing some of the most inspirational blokes in the world. People from sporting heroes to business and financial moguls, incredible fitness and nutrition practitioners, and just some awesome blokes doing truly incredible things. We'll also be interviewing researchers, doctors, and relationship experts to get the guests the most up-to-date information and the most up-to-date practices that surround our health and how we can improve our personal health. Throughout, from time to time, I'll do solo episodes as well, and in those episodes, it will give me an opportunity like this to be able to sit with you and explain my experiences, uh, the lessons I've learned from those experiences, and then how potentially you can apply them to your life. I think this is truly going to be an unreal journey. I cannot wait to get, you know, get my first uh, guest on board. Our first guest that we're interviewing is an absolute hero of mine and I just can't wait to get him on the podcast and and to get that episode out to you guys. So essentially what is the purpose of the of the blogcast? Why does it exist? And let's start with a a key stat first. In Australia today six blokes will have taken their own life. For so long now we have suffered in silence. And we've raised these barriers around ourselves because it's a stereotype that we can't show emotion and be strong at the same time. We can't protect our family, but then express our feelings because apparently this is a sign of weakness. I'm here to tell you that that throughout my journey, I've discovered that this persona is completely false. I've gone from being someone who is a hard-nosed, never show any emotion, never cry in front of everyone person to now being someone who expresses my emotions, especially to my wife and my family on a daily basis. And I cry all the time and, I, and I've and i never been more healthier. So the Blowcast, we're really not here just to break down the barriers that surround mental health within men in our society. So the Blowcast isn't here to just break down those barriers that surround mental health in men in society these days. We're here to tear down those fucking walls and we're here to expose the truth to society that it is okay 
to not be okay. And we're here to empower men to get out there and seek help when they need it. But most importantly, to be able to look for those warning signs within yourself and within your family and within your mates and be able to encourage others to get help as well. So what is holistic empowerment exactly? You've heard me say it a couple of times now. So what do I mean by it when I say it? What I mean is holistic empowerment is our ability to understand that there are so many contributing factors that affect our mental health on a daily basis. And the only way to truly look after yourselves and to truly heal yourself from some type of mental health illness is to have a holistic approach to your life, to your health, and your recovery. As a bloke, there are just so many contributing factors to mental health. However, there's four key contributing factors that I see all the time, and I see it on a repeat basis, and it affects so many people. The first of those is your physical health. The second is your financial health. The third is your relationship health. And lastly, your mental health. And so we're going to take you on a journey and we're going to be interviewing experts, professionals, and people with lived experiences so that we can allow you to gather those tools to be able to deliver yourself into holistic empowerment. So who am I exactly? What really gives me, I guess, the right or the purpose to be able to sit here in front of you? I'm sitting at the moment or stand if I happen to be standing in front of you and be able to explain to you on this podcast why I'm so passionate about this. So I'll start at the beginning and then take you on my journey, I guess, and how I've dealt with my own inner demons. I've been to my own hell and back and how I've then got myself back on the right path. I'm still challenged every single day by what I have been through and what I struggle with. And there's so many things that I still need to improve. However, Hopefully this is just a quick snapshot into who I am and why I'm here and why I'm so passionate about delivering this podcast to you. So I was born in Perth, Western Australia. Um, I'm 30 now, just turned, actually, I'm not 30, I just turned 31. So I'm old as dust these days, but I grew up in Perth playing high-level sports pretty much my whole life. I played football uh, mostly and uh, played a lot of high-level vo- high level volleyball. Uh, and then I also dabbled a bit in other sports like athletics and cricket. Although in cricket, I spent most of the time getting ducks uh, or bowling no balls and wides. It's pretty handy in the field, but not much else. But from birth, I really experienced a lot of adversity in my life. So I was born with a collapsed lung. Uh, and then I was spent the first few weeks, uh, I think it was between two and four weeks, um, within, in, an, in an incubator within hospital. And at the time, it was quite touch and go. I, For the first seven years of my life, I had uh, severe asthma. And every night, I had to spend hours on this stupid Ventolin machine with a mask on my face with Ventolin going into, into my lungs to be able to help me to breathe and be able to help me to sleep. By 20 years old, I'd pretty much broken so many bones or had so many injuries that I'd lost count. And I actually went back the other day um, whilst I was at work with a friend and we and we sat there and we actually counted the amount of times uh, that I had uh, been in hospital or I had injured myself. And, and so by the time I was 21, 
I'd been to the hospital more than 30 times. Whether that's for operations, whether that's for broken bones being reset, whether that's for concussion or appendicitis. I've had kidney stones. I've had non-benign tumors cut out of me. Lots of lots of different things. But 30 hospital visits before the age of 21 is, is pretty significant considering the person next to me was telling me that they'd never been to the hospital in their life apart from visiting others. By the time I reached 21, after all these injuries, which included at that time an ACL reconstruction, uh, as well as six dislocations to my my right knee, uh, I realised that football was not going to be my career. I was really passionate about AFL at that time. I really wanted to make it. However, I realised that this is not going to be my career and I need to start looking at other options and where I can take my life from here. I realised that I had a huge gap in my life. I was young, dumb, and and there is the other saying that always goes with that, but um, I was drinking quite heavily. I just wanted to party with my mates and have a bit of fun. And so I didn't have any real direction at that time. When I left school, my biggest goal that I had was to actually go and work on Kentucky tours, drive buses around and meet women. And that was that was where I was at at that stage of my life. And I realized that for a long time, I'd been wanting something more. I'd been wanting to truly get out there and help people. And as cliche as that sounds, I found that in the military. And so at the age of 21, uh, turning 22, I joined the Australian Army. And I went to, that was back in 2009, and I went to the Royal Military College, Duntroon. I spent 18 months there training as a general service officer and graduated as a lieutenant uh, at the end of 2010. I then was posted to Adelaide uh, to 16 Airland Regiment. Back then it was called 16 Air Defence Regiment and that's where I spent the majority of my career. And in the military I found a life that I loved. I found discipline, there was structure and Leadership was something I really excelled at and something I truly enjoyed doing on an everyday basis. There, I've literally had no better job in my life than leading soldiers within the Australian Army. I deployed to Afghanistan for eight and a half months uh, between 2012 and 2013 as a troop commander. And I had a lot of other great highlights of my career. Um, potentially in later episodes we can go further into depth into my military career if that interests people but uh, for the time being let's just say I had a great career and academically wise and uh, progressionally wise I was kicking goals however injuries started to interfere with my career those old injuries that I'd had for years and years and years they just kept piling up Uh, I had two knee surgeries whilst I was in the military And then in 2011, I believe, was the first time I injured my back quite severely. I blew a disc in the bottom of my back and it was quite a severe injury at the time. However, I was managed to go through physical rehabilitation and get myself back on track. I actually ended up deploying after that to Afghanistan. That's how fit I got myself back again. But every time I managed to get myself on a roll, I would blow that disc again. And it was a constantly reoccurring thing. And it got to the point where I was doing a simple, it happened five or six times. And I was doing a across about a three or four year period. And I was doing 
something simple at home with my with my then fiance, uh, now wife, and and my disc slipped straight out of place. I knew at that point that I needed to do something more drastic about what was happening. The disc was that loose that it was just it was just blowing on a regular basis. There was that much damage in there. The symptoms that I was getting were just horrific. I had sciatica down both legs, uh, the whole way down my left leg and three quarters of the way down my, my right leg. I couldn't feel my left foot anymore. Uh, it had gone essentially numb from the third toe outwards. Uh, I couldn't sit for anything longer than five minutes and it was a 45 minute drive to get to work every day. So I was in pain, an incredible amount of pain, almost in tears every single day by the, just by the time I got to work. I couldn't stand in one spot for more than about three or four minutes straight. I had to then move, but I also couldn't walk more than about 100 to 200 meters before being in excruciating pain and having to sit down and rest. Essentially, I couldn't do anything. I felt absolutely useless. When you're in a career where your sole purpose is to lead and inspire those around you to do greater things, when you can't do any of it, it really starts to drain away at you. By that stage, I was on heavy amounts of medication, a lot of opioid, a lot of nerve pain, drugs, a lot of everything, essentially. However, we sat down with my doctor and we identified that I need to take more action. And so I had my first surgery, which was called a microdisectomy which in the big scheme of things in back surgeries is quite minor. However, any kind of surgery on your spine isn't really good and it's never going to really set you up for success. Once you've had one surgery, it tends to to weaken everything around it. And so at first we we felt really positive about the surgery. When I came out uh, from recovery in the hospital, I had no pain in my legs anymore which was, I could feel my legs, which was a positive, uh, but I had no pain there, had no sciatic pain, which was an absolute relief for me because essentially what they did was went in and removed or removed the part of the disc that was pressing on the, the spinal column. However, it didn't take long, probably about four to five months, maybe six months, and the disc completely ruptured. The surgery was a complete failure and I had been, been going through really really good rehabilitation physical rehabilitation plan got myself to the point where i could run again uh, and i was essentially trying to cotton wool myself because i knew that if i did this again on a serious basis that my career was going to be in jeopardy and it was Um, i was then required to have a spinal fusion within the bottom of my spine Uh, so now i have two titanium rods in the bottom of my spine connected by brackets that um, keep my essentially my spine together and my military career had ended it was game over for me the military had said that um, you can either spend the rest of your career doing administration postings and um, not actually doing anything you actually signed up to do which for me was to lead soldiers and I was Going to, I had the option to go and look at pushing paper for the rest of my career, which was something I couldn't stand. I couldn't stand doing. I couldn't. I hated being in the office, let alone having to sit behind a desk and push paper forever. 
And so the other option was to that they medically discharged me. And so they pretty much immediately uh, discharged me. It was actually by the time I, I hadn't had the surgery, the second surgery at that point. And so by the time I was actually discharged, it was actually only a month after I had that second surgery. Uh, the military these days has improved the, the way they look after soldiers um, quite drastically. There's obviously still a few issues there, but um, they did a really good job. And especially my regiment did a great job of looking after me after I discharged and ensuring that I had all the equipment I needed. Um, the, my recovery was significantly long. I had to essentially not learn how to walk again, but uh, I had to learn how to move my hips properly and, and do all that kind of stuff again. Uh, because the, for the first two months, I, I could, first month or so, I couldn't leave the house. Um, after that, I could get up the driveway to to the to the edge of the road and then back down again. Then, you know, for about another two or three months after that, I could get slightly down the street and back again. And I was just confined for such a long time before I could actually get out and move and drive again and and get my own life back. When I was going through that period, I started to display a lot of mental health issues and a lot of mental health symptoms. And I was choosing to ignore these. I was choosing to put them on the back burner, push my way, because at the time I was a stereotypical army officer that said, I'm stronger than this, I'm here for a purpose, and that purpose is to make a difference, and everything else that happens to me, and in my mind, would just be pushed to the back. However, I started to withdraw quite severely from my social groups. I rarely contacted anyone outside of my outside of my close family and even then I would go months and months and months without speaking to my family and my wife was the the first one to really pick this up and she noticed that we sat down and she said to me what's your what's your goal on an everyday basis and the only goal I could come up with at the time was just to fucking get out of bed I was struggling so bad just to get out of bed and to motivate myself and to get up and and at this stage I was still in the military to get up and go to work every day I was just so depressed and every time I looked in the mirror I just hated myself I felt like a failure I didn't want anything to do with myself and uh, I just had a loathing for for me and for what I was causing um, the stress that I was causing on my family and so my wife said to me, I think you need to go and get help. And that was really the first time that it opened up to me that I actually had an issue or I actually had issues um, was when someone external came to me and said, I think you're struggling and I think you need to reach out and see if you can get some help. Funnily enough, I also had one of my best friends at the time who still is one of my best friends now, but he, um, who I served with and, and he came up to me uh, one day and he just said, mate, he put his hands on my shoulders and he just looked at me and he, he looked at me in the face and um, he's just an, Jimmy is just an, I won't say his full name, but Jimmy is just an absolute legend of a bloke. And he turned to me and he just said, mate, are you okay? And I I said, yeah, yeah, of course I am, mate, I'm all good. And he reached up and he grabbed my shoulders and he, and I went to turn away and he turned me back to him and he said, mate, like seriously, are you okay? And I broke down. Uh, right out the front of the mess where we, where we eat food and stuff in the officers' mess at the regiment, and I, I said I'm not, uh, I'm not, man, I'm, I'm, I'm fucked, my head's fucked, and 
I'm struggling to get to work. I can't. I fucking hate myself. I fucking hate my life. And I, you know, I, I'm essentially stuffed. And he said, it's going to be okay, mate. And he just gave me this huge hug and he goes, I'm here for you. And that meant more than anything to me. Because at the time I was covering things up because I was so afraid that people were going to push me away and think that I was just sick and broken. And so in, in 2015, before I discharged, I was diagnosed with severe depression, anxiety, and then later on I would go on to be diagnosed with, with post-traumatic stress as well. But at that stage, uh, it had manifested itself, but I wasn't dealing with a lot of the issues that, that come along with post-traumatic stress. After I was discharged, as I said before, I went through a long rehabilitation, physical rehabilitation period, but I also went through a long mental health rehabilitation period. I started seeing a psych uh, two, probably two times a week uh, at first to, to start doing cognitive behavior therapy as well. And I went on to even more medication. We did a count at one point that I was taking nearly 25 pills a day, including a morphine patch, uh, which secreted a synthetic morphine to my body every hour on the hour for 24 hours a day. And those ranged from maxed out on endone, maxed out on tramadol, both short and long release, which are pain-killing dr- opioid drugs. Uh, I was had, uh, I had maxed out on Lyrica, which is a, a nerve agent, which uh, helps to, meant to help relieve the, the nerve pain in your legs, uh, in, my, in, my, in my case, in my lower back. And as well as then, I was taking antidepressants as well. But I started to progress slowly. I got my fitness back whilst working really hard in the pool to get my uh, get myself back on track. Ended up getting myself to the point where I could play a little bit of golf, not very well, but could still had to change my swing completely to be a vertical swing rather than a, a regular swing. Uh, but that was just part and parcel of, of what I was dealing with. And then at the end of 2016, I was lucky enough to have one of the best days of my life where I married my beautiful wife and it was just an incredible day it had been a really really big build up to that to that wedding to that day obviously everyone's wedding is is incredibly important to them and so I had built myself up the energy was there but I had said to Monique previously that I had one goal for the day and that was I wasn't going to be on antidepressants for the day or I didn't want to be on antidepressants at that time I wanted to get off them because when I was on antidepressants they put your feelings in a box they regulate your moods and unfortunately a lot of the side effects force you to be quite numb both feelings and emotions they just they just don't come out and so I really wanted to enjoy that day so we looked at options with my psychiatrist and my GP to try and uh, to e- at least even try and reduce the amount that I was on before that day but unfortunately for me I couldn't do it I was not that healthy at that point and I wasn't able to come off medication for the day and I felt that failure just it just hit me like a brick in the head it, the pain in my chest was just huge that I and I remember bawling my eyes out to my wife thinking telling her that I'm sorry and that I'm a failure and that I I can't um, you know what's the point in you staying around 
essentially. Why are you dealing with this? And this is right before our wedding. <laughs> um, but we got through that period and we had an incredible day. Uh, all family and friends there got married on the side of a mountain. It was, it was great. Afterwards, I completely collapsed and I completely spiraled out of control with my mental health. I built myself up so long, getting so excited for this wedding that when it actually took place, there was nothing there to replace it afterwards. I started to get even worse with my emotions, with my feelings, with closing myself off to people. I could change my mood on the drop of a hat and I would be never, ever verbally abusive, but I'd be aggressive, you know, verbally aggressive. And I would uh, blame a lot of other people for, for things that were issues in my life. And it got to the point when I nearly took my own life, I laid there one night, 30 centimeters away from my wife, who was asleep next to me, absolutely no idea what was going on, and I bawled my eyes out. And I was silently crying for hours and hours and hours. And I just said to myself, I don't want to be here anymore. You don't deserve to be here anymore. Things going through my head like you're a piece of shit. What are you doing to your family? What are you doing to your friends? What are you doing to your wife? It would be so much easier for everyone else if you weren't here anymore. And so I got to the point where I looked over to my wife and it was my way of saying goodbye. And I looked at her and it just so happened there was this light, and it sounds cliche, but this light outside that shone on her face. And she's just a beautiful, beautiful woman. And I said to myself, what are you doing? How can you do that to her? Think about what her life's going to be for the rest of her life, essentially, if you did this. If she woke up next tomorrow morning and you were dead, laying in your bed next to her, what would she do? And then I thought more broadly to my family. How would you, how would my dad and my mum and my stepmom, who's... I'm extremely close with and my brothers and sisters how would they feel if I wasn't here anymore and so slowly I started to challenge these these negative words in my head I started to apply the lessons that I'd learned for so long and I dragged myself out of this spiral and to be honest I was lucky if that light hadn't have been there if that hadn't have fallen the way it did across her face, I don't know if I'd be here right now to have the ability to speak to you. And so the next day, we sat down. Obviously, there was a lot of tears because we had to go over what had happened the previous night. But we said, we made a pact together. We said, I'm never going to let myself get to that point again. I'm going to start taking back ownership of my own life, get on top of my problems, own up to the fact that I have issues and fucking deal with them and so I started to implement the training that I'd learned over the past couple of years of going to a psychiatrist two times a week that I had been fobbing off for so fucking long and not applying I actually started to do it and it started to fucking work I started to challenge those thoughts in my head and I started to truly started to heal myself I started to heal my mind I cut back on medication I said me and my wife made a pact together and I just love this because we just we do everything together. We we are we're so tight now. We're so 
so close and we just said to each other we're going to do this together we're going to get you off of medication we're going to get me off of medication in october 2017 i came off of opioid medication completely i actually went cold turkey off of morphine patches which if anyone has ever been through that it's not a great experience in january 2018 i came off of antidepressants completely and i said I'm not going to sit here and rely on things like medication to get me through this. Only I can fix this. And it needs to be about so much more than medication. It's holistic. I started to get my physical health in order. I started to lose weight. I started to exercise more. I started to do things that I used to love doing. Golf. Took up wheelchair basketball. I now play in the National league for the wheelchair basketball in Australia. I also represented Australia for Invictus and captained the Australian basketball team for Invictus this year. I started to improve my financial health. And so myself and Monique gave ourselves a plan that we would pay off our house within seven years. I started to get on top of my relationship health, not just with my wife, not just building that relationship and just making it so concrete that nothing would ever come between it but also started to reach out to my friends again started to reach out to my family again sat down with my parents and explained to them that i'd nearly taken my own life explained to them how close i was explained to them everything i was going through and the relief that started to come off my shoulders was huge i was just carrying this weight for so long that i needed to front and I needed to have almost a blank face every time someone spoke to me so that no one knew what was actually happening inside my body. I started to speak more. I started to get in front of audiences, get in front of veterans, get in front of corporate audiences, kids, didn't matter who, get out there and explain to people that this is so normal what we are going through. But there is a way that you can start to heal yourself. I started to get on top of my mental health. I truly started to apply all the lessons that I had learned over the years and years of going to psychiatrists, of sitting there pouring my heart out and then not applying the processes that I'd been taught. I started to apply those. And all of a sudden, I had my own holistic empowerment and I started to truly heal. What I realized over the years as I suffered from mental health illness was that there is so much information out there. These days you can jump on Google and you can find anything you want. However, there's nothing out there that bridges the gap between the information and the person who's suffering from the illness. It's so hard to actually get out there and find all the information in one spot. It's all spread out in different areas. It takes a long time to be able to, and a lot of man hours to be actually be able to go out and do that. The more and more I go out there and meet veterans and I go out there and meet people who are suffering from mental health illnesses, the more and more I realize there's such a focus on medication. They truly believe that medication is the only way that they can heal themselves. They truly believe they wouldn't be able to function if they didn't have the medication. And I'll always caveat this with the fact that medication does play such a huge part in your recovery, but its sole purpose is there to regulate your mood. It's not there to fix you. The only person that can fix you is you. You have to do the work. So I sat there and I thought to myself, how can I show this to people on a larger scale? How normal 
it actually is to suffer from a mental health illness. 45% of Australians throughout their life will suffer from some type of mental health illness or some type of mental health adversity. The other 55% will know someone close to them that has been through it. So I started to speak more. I started to get out, but I said, this isn't enough. This isn't big enough. I need to get more people. I need people to understand. I need men out there to understand that there is so much more to life than suffering in your own head. And that's when the Blokecast was born. So my mission now is to empower and inspire whatever I can do, blokes around the world, to take control of their lives, of their health, and to truly be healthy in a holistic way. Some key stats, just two key stats that I want to point out to you. There'll be episodes where we do nothing but stats, I guess, in this journey, but right now, just two key stats. Every day, six blokes in Australia take their own life. In 2017, blokes accounted for 75% of suicides. I truly feel that the bloke cast can make a huge difference on so many people's lives at such a large scale. But the greatest thing is, is that we're going to go on this journey together. Every step of the way, we're going to do it together. I still have so much I need to learn. I still have so much I need to improve. I still have so far to go, but I've come so far to get to this point. And the only thing I can tell you right now is the only person that can change your life is you. No one else. So to finish off this first episode, some of the topics that we discuss, like the one I've just gone through just then, as well as the ones that will come on future episodes, will be distressing to some people. There are so many incredible services out there. I please, if you are struggling and if you do feel like you need to reach out to someone, then please do it. Reach out to your partner, to your wife, to your family, to your mates, to organizations such as Beyond Blue or Lifeline, who are two fantastic organizations that do so much for men's health. Reach out to them because the assets and the help is there. All of the contact details for both Beyond Blue and Lifeline will be in the show notes. So please, please, if you do need help, just click on the show notes, click on the link. You don't have to call someone if you don't want to. You can send them an email, but just reach out. If you have enjoyed this episode, then please subscribe to our podcast. It will be across all the different podcast platforms that you like to listen to, whether it's iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, whatever it is, you'll find the Blokecast there. Please subscribe and please download the episodes. You'll see all the links in our show notes to all our social pages. Mostly to begin with, we'll be starting with just Instagram and Facebook, but then we'll expand from there. So please jump on, give us a comment, give us a like to our posts, give us a follow. And if you can, and if you feel up to it, just leave me a review in iTunes, whether you like it or whether you don't. Happy to take negative negative reviews as well, but if you can make them positive, that'd be great. In the next coming weeks, we have some exciting guests lined up, some truly incredible people. I'm so humbled that these people have agreed to come on this podcast because they understand how important this topic is and they understand, they get it. They know what it's like to go through adversity. They know what it's like to struggle. And they know how to get through to the other side. So please tune in in the coming weeks. 
because I guarantee you there's going to be some great conversations. And as I said before, let's start this journey together. Thanks for tuning in and I'll catch you on the next episode. Cheers. Thank <laughs> you.